Last week, we began a brief study for a couple of weeks on 1 Peter chapter 3. And though we looked at the beginning of the entire chapter, we focused our, our study together on verses 13 through 17. So if you turn there for a moment, please, and we'll just recap for a moment, and then we'll move on. 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 13 uh, through 17. The apostle is speaking, of course, the apostle Peter is speaking to the church. Remember, we, we said most epistles that you read, most of the uh, New Testament epistles you read, there will be doctrine, theology at the beginning. Here's what God says, here's what his word says. And then at the end of that book will be the practical outliving of that. We would call it fleshing it out. It's up here, here's, here's the truth, here's what you're supposed to do, but now here's how you apply it and live it in your life. And Peter is talking to uh, this group, and he's telling them, essentially, that they need to live a life. And last week I said that it's a step up, a rung. You, not, not an average life like the rest of the world, but a life that's consistent with what the Word of God says. Living the Word of God in your life so that well, people will observe you. Say, well, I don't want people looking at you. Well, they look at you whether you want them to or not. They're, everyone's watching everyone else. I'm amazed, aren't you, to see sin working out in our nation. Uh, people marching all over the place for their rights, which they have a right to do according to our Constitution, and then burning down buildings of people they say have no rights. It's just sin manifest among us, that's all. And God says that's an example. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's what's going on out there today. A self, selfishness. But we're to live a Christ-like life so people will observe us. They're all observing that which is going on and making their decision. But God wants us to live a life so they observe us and see Christ in us, that hope of glory. Um, we live in a political time, and, and just everything that's around us, surrounding us, we see, we observe. But how many Christians do you really observe? Really living for the Lord, that's the question. And so I have to ask you that, you have to ask me that, and uh, it's very difficult to say there's not a lot, is there, that are live, really living for the Lord. We live in a day that's a self-centered day. Um, how do you know that, Pastor Bill? They're called selfies. Huh? They're put online. Look at me. How about looking at Christ? That's what God wants us to do. Look at the Lord Jesus Christ and have other people see Christ in us. And so Paul, I'm sorry, the apostle said, in verse 13, Who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Well, the answer is probably no one's going to harm you. However, however, but and if, there's a remotest possibility, but it could happen. But and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify or set apart the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, we said, verse 13 says, be enthusiastic for that which is good. Be ready to do the right thing all of the time. Be prepared to suffer victoriously when you do the right thing. You may suffer for righteousness' sake, but happy are ye. Make sure you're living a Christ-like life. And then he says, 
and sanctify the Lord God in your heart. What does that mean to sanctify? It means to set apart, to hold preeminent, to put in the place that he belongs. He's the Lord God, to put him in that place that he belongs. The Lord Jesus Christ's high priestly prayer to the Father in John 17, the Lord said to the Father, uh, sanctify them, his disciples, through thy truth, thy word is truth. So what does God want us to do? To live a Christ-like life by the word of God, the spirit of God working in us, and we just would manifest Christ, that's all. We're not going to join the world and the thing, we're not going to love the things of the world, but rather love the Lord and do as he tells us to do. Be ready to give an answer. In verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always, all the time, day and night. Be always ready to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. So if you are living a Christ-like life, you will be ready to give an answer. Not proud, oh, because I'm a Christian. No, it's because Christ dwells in me with meekness and fear. We're not bragging Christianity here. We're showing people who Christ is. And it's not you. It's not you. You had to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved because your life was inconsistent with his word. He died on Calvary's cross for your sin. So we need to be ready. The word of God is what strengthens us. We discussed this last week. Again, I'll just recap very quickly. That God's word is pure. It's without error. And then we need to recognize that it's forever settled in heaven. What God said he meant and what he meant he said. Then we saw that we were to continue in the faith rooted and grounded in him. Roots that go deep into the word of God. Not some opinion that I hold, but something that holds me firm. The word of God grounds us. It settles us. It's forever settled in heaven. So what are we to do? Well, we're to be ready to tell people the hope that's within us. What hope is within us? Well, again, it's the word of God. But it's also the person of God, the Lord Jesus Christ (coughs) himself. (coughs) Excuse me, I'd like to read a few passages to you. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the word of God. Uh, that we read, it's settled in our heart. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God and gives us that hope. The word hope is an assurance. It, it's, uh, we hold on to that word of hope. It anchors us. It settles us. I believe what God said. I believe what is written uh, by God himself. <clears throat> in Colossians 1, in verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is our assurance uh, he, is, um, he has settled us. We trust what he has said. He's the person of the Savior, the one that God gave in my place for my sin. I'm assured in him. And I know that the sufferings of this present time aren't even worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in me. <clears throat> Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 1.3, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. Patience of hope, our assurance, our recognition that God's word is true and it holds us firm. It's not something that I hold, it's something that holds me. I believe his word. 
Now head with me, please, to uh, Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 in your Bible. <clears throat> Our Lord Jesus Christ, the indwelling Spirit of God, Christ in you, that hope of glory, the triune Godhead dwelling in you, anchors us because we believe his word. You say, but times are rough. Yeah, but he's not rough. He's still there. He's still giving us that assurance, that recognition, that this life is fleeting. Remember what James said? It's a vapor. It just appears for a little while, and and then it's gone away. I have been talking to some people that are much older than I am. If you can believe that, I'm really not the oldest person in the world. But I've been talking to some people that are much older than I am that have that assurance that once they breathe their last breath on this earth, they'll be right in the presence of God. And you know what? Once I breathe mine, I'll go and see them in, in glory with the Lord. And once uh, I'm gone, then it'll be your turn one day to visit with the Lord. All of us, all of us, one day will leave this earth. So why do we grab onto this stuff here? Why is this stuff so entertaining? We need to recognize who God is and his purposes. Okay, we're in Titus chapter 2. I'd like to break right into where Paul is speaking to Titus, obviously, about his ministry on the island of Crete. And he says this in in Titus uh, chapter 2, and look, please, right at verse 11. For the grace of our God that bringeth salvation had appeared unto all men. God's grace is there for everyone to see. Notice, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live sober, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, this present day. So he was telling people 1,900 years ago, this is the way you're to live, and he tells us today, this is the way you're to live according to the word of God. Listen to this, please. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, we're looking for him to return. Right now, he's dwelling in us, functioning with us, functioning through us to show other people Christ. But one day, he's going to return to earth. That's the blessed hope. That's what we're looking for. What if it were today? We used to sing a song many years ago. Jesus is coming again. What if it were today? Would you be ready to see the Lord? John tells us that it's possible, it's just possible, to be ashamed when he comes. Because you haven't been living according to his word. So God wants us to make sure that we're walking according to his word day by day. One last passage. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John 3, and we'll move on in our study together just very quickly. 1 John chapter 3, look at verse 1, please. By the way, chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, speak about make sure that you're ready for the Lord's return. In verse, chapter 3 and verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. What does that mean, the world doesn't know you? Well, the world doesn't know what lies within you, that is the the triune God, the Spirit of God living in you, God himself dwelling in me. They don't know it unless you live it. Unless you live it. And when you're living a life before him, God will give you that opportunity to speak of him, to tell others of him. But if you live like everyone else, if you're acting like everyone else, saying, everything, saying things that everyone else says, 
Why would they ever ask you for a reason of the hope that is in you? You live just like them, and they don't have hope, and it doesn't look like you have hope either. But see, if you step up that rung and live according to the word of God, people will ask you, especially today, you know it. In times of difficulty, when the world is spinning, like the wheels seem to have fallen off, that's when people are nervous. They are nervous. And they will ask you a reason for the hope that's in you. Don't, don't you think things are terrible? Well, they are, but God says something different. And you'll have a reason to tell them. We're in First John uh, 3. Let's continue on, please. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when, we shall, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We know God's going to give us a glorified body just like his. God's going to give us a strength like him. God is going to give us a peace, a joy, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more growing old. God will give us that grace that he has himself. In verse uh, 3, And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he, God, is pure. Every man that has this hope, every one of us, every man, a woman, every person that has the hope of God, believing the Lord Jesus Christ died on, my cro- on the cross for my sins, everyone that has that hope now purifies himself. What does that mean? doesn't mean you're washing with soap, and that, that's not the reference here. The purifying of your oneself is living according to the word of God, stepping up the run, living according to God's word, by the power of the spirit of God, uh, by the word of God. All right, we want to continue on now, back in 1 Peter chapter uh, 3, once again. We're going to continue on with this, this wonderful statement that Peter makes, and that's concerning living that sanctified life, set apart unto God, so that people will ask us that reason for the hope that's within us. And when we trust the Word of God, when you trust the Word of God, when I trust the Word of God, Then we have a peace. God calls it a peace that passes all understanding. And it's a wonderful thing to have that peace. I know at times when I'm looking around me, I'm like Peter in the boat. I believe you, God. I believe what you say. Okay, then get out of the boat and walk on water. And what did Peter do? He looked around him. I don't know what he was thinking. He looked at the waves. Maybe he said, wait a minute. I can't walk on water. Maybe that was part of his thinking. I do not know that. But then he began to sink. And what did Jesus say? Oh, poor Peter. I know it was tough. He said, oh, you of little faith. You of little faith. So when I'm looking around and looking at the waves of people and what's going on in the world today, and I start getting nervous, it's because I have little faith in what God's word said. I need to go back to what God said. I need to get all the way back to what God said. Why? Because he is our peace. Now, the world tries to have peace, and they do it in varied ways. Some of them, uh, I don't want to laugh, but sometimes I just snicker. Uh, What do you do? Well, you need to meditate. Now, there's nothing wrong with meditating. Uh, That is, for for the Christian, we should be thinking about God's word. But some people uh, hum meditate with candles, they wear certain jewelry, they look at certain objects, they put certain things on their heads. and The, the world is looking for peace, 
and they find it temporarily, just for a little while. Uh, but, but it does not sustain them. It cannot keep them. But God's word can sustain us. He can keep us in perfect peace. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ said this, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gave it. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. His peace is different than everything else the world has. Everything. Completely different. Why? Because Christ in you should solidify you. His word should ground you, anchor you, so that you're solid. You need not fear what men can do unto you. Why? Because I believe what God's word said. In Isaiah, I won't have you turn there, but Isaiah 48 Isaiah is talking to the nation of Israel, the northern nations, and he said, if you believe God's word, you'll have peace like a river. What a wonderful statement. Peace like a river. Psalms, the first Psalms, says that God's word will strengthen us, solidify us. Let's go there. Head with me to the first Psalm. Now, I know you know this, and I know you can probably quote it, but I want you to see... God talking to Old Testament Israel through, of course, King David. And speaking to Old Testament Israel, he's letting them know that they need to trust him. Don't look at the nations round about you. Remember when God put them in the promised land? He said, do not observe the nations round about you. Don't get involved with what they're doing. Why? Pretty soon you'll learn to do them and be like them. You know, unfortunately, that happens in a lot of Christians' lives. They're so intermingled with the world and the things of the world, pretty soon they start acting like the world. You say, well, not me. Good, I'm glad that's true. But God's word warns us it can happen. It, in fact, can happen. We're in the first psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You know what that is? That's the world. That's the things of the world. We have a president. Sometimes he's, he's, uh, he says some wonderful things, and sometimes I, I'm not sure exactly what he's talking about, but our trust isn't in him. Why? Because God says the, the, the leaders of the world, the kings of the world, they're in the God's hands, and he's going to use them for what he wants to purpose. So we not to trust those people. Why? Because they're men. We trust in the living God. But what, not, don't sit with those people. Don't intermingle with those people, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That's the word of God, the Old Testament scriptures. Now for us, we have the completed Bible, including the New Testament and the Revelation. We're to dwell in that, to live in that. And what will happen if you dwell in the word of God, delight in God's word? Well, he shall be like a tree planted by the river of water that brings forth fruit in its season, it leaf also shall not wither, and, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. You're like a tree planted by a river. I don't, we haven't had a lot of rain. Yesterday we had a downpour, but uh, after a while it all went away and everything dried up again. We don't have a lot of rain, so all my grass is dying. And, and I was nurturing its little blades. I was loving my lawn, and now it's dying. You can't seem to put enough water on it to keep the thing alive. Well, if I lived by a river, 
And that water flowed by the grass all the time, or by the trees all the time. Those roots go down deep into the river, into the, uh, the soil that's by the river, and they take up the nourishment and water of that river. See, we're to be rooted and grounded in him. The word of God. Settled in the word of God. Verse 4. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Those people are living their life today. And unless they receive the word of God, unless they believe the word of God, they will perish. But the righteous will stand before God. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You say, well, look what they're doing, Pastor Bill. Well, unless they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, they will perish in hellfire forever. Say, well, what, what, what can we do? Well, that's where 1 Peter 3 comes in, isn't it? Show them a reason for the hope that's in you. Be an example of what a Christian should be. Don't live like the world. Don't love the things that are in the world. It's okay to have some things, and we're not talking about that. But the world's entertainment, the world's values, the world's, all the world's uh, processes, they don't belong to the Lord. You can read that, of course, in uh, 1 John. So what about us? Well, God tells us uh, that we'll give them a reason for the hope that's in us if we're living according to the word of God. Okay, so let's go through that process. You've been living for the Lord at your place of work, at your home, whatever it may be. You've been living for the Lord, and you show people Christ in you. Now they ask you for a reason for the hope that's within you. Now what? Well, now it's time to get into the word of God, isn't it? Now it's time to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is your opportunity. God has opened a door. God has drawn that person to you so that you could give him or her God's word. This is your opportunity to witness for the name of the Lord. You say, well, how do I know? God says that if the Lord Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. He's giving you an opportunity. Now it's time to speak of his name. It's time to give them God's word. Well, say... I just want to share my testimony. Well, that might be okay. That might be okay, but then again, it may not. Your testimony may be good, and then again, it might not be, but God's word is always right. It's always right. Well, well, what if they're really, really smart? You know, and I feel kind of dumb, and they're really smart, and I'm a... God says, the world by wisdom knew not God. It doesn't matter how smart they are, God's word is always, always effective in their life. They will not forget it. They will not pass it by. God's word will always work. That's why we're always to give them uh, God's word. Well, what if I told them how God worked, and I hear this sometimes in Christian, how God worked in my life, and I have such a peace ever since God worked in my life, and and everything has gone my way. I had a Bible school teacher that gave me an example, and it's a silly example, but if I can give it to you for a minute. He said, what if someone came into your life and said, uh, and he looked on, and he had a fried egg on his shoe. It's a fried egg. 
And he came into you and he said, ever since I've had that fried egg on my shoe, I've had so much peace. And after I had this fried egg on my shoe, I won the lottery. Would you start thinking, whoa, maybe I ought to get a fried egg and put it on my shoe. You see, the world hangs on to things that will impress them for a little while, but God's word will always work. You need to not give them something that's temporal. You know, the minute I believed on the Lord Jesus, everything wonderful happened. That's not good enough. That's not good enough because some people believe on the Lord Jesus and suffer terribly. Suffer terribly. You need to give them something that's solid, and the only solid thing that we have, you and I, is the Word of God. That's the only thing you have that's solid, that's reliable. So you give them the Word of God. You give them what God's Word said. Well, how about if I just kind of, you know, give them, again, my testimony? You don't need to do that. All you need to do is give them the Word of God. Now, your testimony is helpful, and that's wonderful, and and uh, how you receive Christ as Savior. But make sure the focus isn't on you at all. Make sure it's always on him. You know, the Bible doesn't ever, ever attempt to prove God. It never does. God doesn't say, let me explain to you how I exist. All he says is in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. The expectation is that he's God. Fully God, co-equal, co-existent with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of God. God doesn't attempt to prove himself. You don't need to prove God. All you need to do is give him the word of God. Remember, in the beginning, God created. Um, We read in 1 John, for example, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It doesn't explain him. It just tells you who he is. And so that's what we're to do is to give him the word of God. Why? Because it is, you know the Hebrews passage, it is living, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the one that convicts of sin and righteousness. It's the one that drives deep like a scalpel down in people's lives. It's God's word. Well, maybe I can think of something witty to say. No, no. That will never bring anyone to the Lord Jesus Christ. What brings people to the Lord Jesus Christ is the word of God. In the book of uh, Jeremiah chapter 23, is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces? Say, well, you don't know that person. They are really, really tough. They're without Christ. But God says his word will smash that rock. He can break the rock in pieces. He says his word's like a fire that melts the wax. Not your words, his word. So that's why we need to keep in mind God's word. Head with me to Isaiah 55. I know that you know this as well, but just turn with me for a moment. Isaiah chapter 55. God's word is what works. Now, there are some that believe that this reference is to the Lord Jesus Christ himself prophetically. It could be. I'm not going to argue with that. But I know this, that God is talking about not only his written word, but his son as well. It's all included. Why? Because he is the word of God. We're in Isaiah chapter 55. Let's break right into uh, the the conversation here in verse 8. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. See, when we want to talk to someone about the Lord, we try to think up, how can I do this? How, 
How can I work this out? How will this work? Well, if someone asks you a reason for the hope that's within you, don't give them your thoughts, give them God's word. He says this, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth the bud, that, we may, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, eater, so shall my word, in verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that to which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. God's word always works, always works. When we leave someone, after uh, they ask us a reason for the hope that's within us, we need to make sure we're leaving them with something that always works, and that's the true word of God. The enduring word of God. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. It's the enduring word of God. So we see that when we're speaking to the unsaved people, it's a difficult term for us to absorb. But when you're talking to an unsaved person, you're really talking to someone that's dead in their trespasses and sins. And your words will not awaken them. Only God's word will do that. And so why waste time with your word when you have the resources right before you? The true and living word of God. You need to have that in a memorized form so that no matter where you are, wait a minute, I'll come and visit you tomorrow at 2 o'clock and I'll bring my Bible. No, no, you are to be a walking Bible. You are to have that resource whereby you can give God's word. We say, well, Pastor Bill, I'll... I have a hard time memorizing. and Well, one thing that you could do, and I got this from our rack up back, it's called God's Simple Plan of Salvation. Now, we'll look at some of it, perhaps. But God's Simple Plan of Salvation. Surely you can memorize this. Surely you can look at this and get a pattern whereby you can talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a pattern ready. Not what I'm going to say to them, but what God says to them. They need to know, first of all, that they are lost. They need to know that they're lost. Some people think they're self-righteous. Well, the Savior came to die for those who were in sin, and that's called the whole world. He died for the sins of the whole world. And so every one of them is lost, and we need to present that to them the Lord Jesus Christ came to die for your sin. Oh, well, Pastor Bill, you shouldn't mention sin today. That's not politically correct. Can I say this? Neither is the Lord. He's not politically correct. He tells us the truth. The truth. And sometimes the truth hurts, doesn't it? But it's always the truth. Now, you're not to say it in a vicious, mean way. You're not to say it in a way that would be hurtful to anyone. But we need to make sure that we're always giving them the truth. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And it's the Spirit of God that uses the Word of God in, the lives of, in their lives just as much as it, you, they use it in yours. The Spirit of God uses, again, that Word of God. When the Spirit comes, he said, uh, the Lord Jesus said in John 16, He will convict the world of sin 
That's the state of man. He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, that's the need of man, and judgment, that's the future of man without Christ. He'll convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, the state of man, the need of man, and the, and, uh, the death of man if he believes not on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Spirit of God does through the Word of God. It's always, always Powerful. Now, that doesn't mean that we, don't, we can't talk to them a little bit. Please understand that. God said to the nation of Israel, come, let us reason together. God wants us to make sure that we're speaking to people about him. Let's reason together. Let's look at what God's word says. I have been in, in my lifetime many, many debates with people about the word of God. And there's a couple times that I walked away, I said, Lord, please just cover my tracks there. Why? Because I started defending myself or defending the Lord. You know, he doesn't need any defense. He really doesn't. Well, you say, well, the world round about us, Pastor Bill, they're, they're, uh, they're saying all kinds of things about God and that he doesn't exist and his word's no good. And yet, but what does the Lord Jesus Christ say? He said to the Pharisees and Sadducees, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they that testify of me. Always bring them back to the Word of God. It doesn't matter what they say about the Bible. What it matters is what God said, that living Word of God. Now, men are convicted in many ways about many things. Head with me to 1 Timothy chapter, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 for a moment. <clears throat> men are convicted, and so they use different ways to try and excuse the sin in their life. I was like that. So, well, I'm not a bad person <clears throat> when I was an unsaved person. <clears throat> well, I knew I was bad, but, <clears throat> excuse me, I knew I wasn't as bad as some people I knew. So I always thought, well, I'm better off than that guy. And I always tried to stage myself. But God lets us know through his word, and this is part of what we should recognize in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2. Let's start in verse 1. <clears throat> I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, everyone, we're to pray, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. God wants us to live that example, to step up that rung, so that people will ask us a reason for the hope that is within us. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's only one mediator. But men, see, men are grabbing onto straws. They're grabbing onto things. They may not do it outwardly or publicly because they don't want to be embarrassed, but everyone has a need of salvation, and everyone is convicted by that need. God's word tells us that very, very plainly. And so what do we do? Well, they try to do good things. And we read, we can give them passages in the Bible. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy. It's God's mercy. It's God's grace. God gave uh, the Lord Jesus Christ for that purpose. It's, again, using the word of God. Um, <clears throat> some, some would say, well, I, you know, I do good things. You know, I've taken care of my mother, my father, my house, my car, my children. 
whatever they're going to, I'm, I'm really a nice person. Well, we need to share, them, uh, share with them God's word. And that includes the book of Ephesians that God tells us it's not by works of righteousness. It's not something you have done. You haven't earned your salvation. You don't deserve your salvation. It was God's work in Ephesians chapter 1. You know these passages very well. I don't want to. Uh, chapter 2, rather. God's simple plan of salvation is what we need to give them. You don't need to explain God. You don't need to apologize for God. You don't need to defend God. You just need to give him his, give them his blessed word. Now, there are some passages that I kind of follow when I'm going to talk to men. I have them like locked into my mind. Uh, I mentioned this simple plan of salvation. But we need to let them know that God sent the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, because all have what? Sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone. So you can read that. And some people call this the Romans road. And it's a wonderful plan to talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ and let them know uh, that all have sinned. God's word says all have sinned. They say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you just use the sword of the spirit to slice them. So you slice them wide and you slice them deep with the word of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But you know what God's word says? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you're living that life that they'll ask you a reason for the hope that's in you, and the hope that's in you is Christ died for you on Calvary's cross, and you want to give them that blessed hope that you have. And what hope is that? It's the word of God. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory that you're sharing with them. We read in 2 Corinthians, I won't have you turn there now, but God the Father had made him, the Lord Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Again, you're giving them uh, the word of God. And then you can tell them, you know, I, when I realized that I was a sinner, I recognized through God's word, then I realized completely that Christ died for sinners just as I am. For example, in Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You can't clean up your life. You can't make yourself better. All you can do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some people that believe, well, I can struggle, I can do it, I'll just turn over a new leaf. Well, it's not a new leaf, is it? It's a new life. It's a life in Christ. And that's what we need to focus on and talk to them about. Then you give them the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's turn there and we'll close with this. Head with me to the gospel of John. The gospel of John. <clears throat> you say, well, I know that passage. Okay, well, if you know it, that's what we should be sharing with people. The gospel of John, chapter 3. <clears throat> Paul gives us the pure gospel, doesn't he? In 1 Corinthians, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That's the pure gospel. Our Lord Jesus speaks about this and speaks about God's love for the world. In, in John chapter 3, we'll pick it right up. Uh, we could go into the Old Testament uh, scriptures here when he talked about Moses, but I'm going to break right into the section. <clears throat> 
in verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You know what that story is? When Israel would not believe God, God sent fiery serpents into the camp, probably cobras. And they came into the camp, and what they did is they began to strike people and kill people in the camp. And the people cried out to the Lord, and Moses, uh, Moses interceded, and God said to Moses, lift up a fiery serpent and put it up there. And that any time, uh, you know, a bronze serpent, any time anyone is struck by a, a real serpent, if they look on that serpent and believe God's word, they'll live. And so the Lord uses this pointing to himself, pointing to himself. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, must be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him, not on him. Oh, I believe there was a Jesus. Do you know Islam believes there was a Jesus? Many, many religions of the world believe there was Jesus. They believe all kinds of different things about him. Down the street, there's a place called Jehovah's Witness. They believe that there was a Jesus. They just believe he was a man. Well, God's word tells us that he was God, very God, very God. That whosoever believeth in him, not believe in the name, but believe in him, that he died for your sin on the cross. And even if there was no one else in the world, he would have had to come to die for you because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now there's many, many Christians that wish it would end there. They just wish... I wish that's all I had to say to people. Well, you need to continue on, don't you? He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, unless they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be condemned to hellfire, burning in outer darkness forever upon their death. That's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. His death, his burial, and resurrection, that whosoever believeth in him. So when you live a Christ-like life and people ask you a reason for the hope that's in you, don't pull the fried egg thing. Tell them about the Savior. Tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died in your place. But you have to live like a Christian in order for people to ask you a reason for the hope that's in you. You say, well, I can't do it. No, you can't. But Christ in you can. Christ in you can. In your own power, you're very weak. But be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your revealed truth. <clears throat> thank you for this opportunity, Father, to, to give out that truth again. We know it's simple. Everyone in this place knows everything I said. And yet, Father, it's sometimes very hard for us to live a Christ-like life not because of um, the world round about us necessarily, but because of the old nature that we have. That at times we yield to the flesh. At times we 
live according to the world. At times we lust after the things of this life. Father, we pray that you'd help us. Give us that strength continually. We know it dwells within us. Help us to rely upon it, to reckon ourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your precious word, for your, for your grace, for your faith. Father, help us to live according to what you have said. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.